host Julia and welcome back to See You in My Next Life podcast, where I sit down to talk about some of your favorite manhwas. In this episode, we'll be covering the ins and outs of Death is the Only Ending for the Villainous. Normally, um, I would say the author's name, but since these manhwas are in Korean, I'm having a hard time pronouncing the names. And trust me, it's not like I'm taking one look at it and I decide that I have no idea how to pronounce it. No, I've been trying. I've been sitting down and I've been trying to pronounce the name correctly um, with Google Translate for five minutes now. And it just sounds like I'm completely butchering it and I don't want it to be offensive. So I've just decided that I will credit the original author in the description if I know who they are. If I don't, then I obviously can't. But if you know the original author, of course, go support them on their official platforms if you can. And if you can't, then however you manage to read these is up to you. But in this case, we do know the author for the original Night novel of Death is the Only Ending for the Villainous, and I will be uh, crediting her in the description. So some random things to start off with is that I will be going over so many spoilers from the light novel. I myself actually haven't read it, but I've been going through a lot of the fandom wikis or wikis. <laughs> Sorry, I always pronounce <laughs> I always pronounce wikis wrong. I always say wikis in my mind and out loud sometimes. Um, and I have to correct myself. <laughs> Pardon me, it's wikis. If you know what I mean, though, they're just fan pages um, normally where anyone can come in and edit it. And so it's a fan made and they've I've gotten a lot of spoilers from there. Um, I've read ahead, but I'm someone who does not let spoilers deter me from reading the rest of the novel or watching the rest of the movie or starting a novel or a movie for that matter. Personally, it interests me because I'm still curious as to see, you know, how have things gotten from point A to point B? And so that's why I like to con- I personally enjoy spoilers at times. But if that's not the case for you, that's all right. Um, that's totally fine. I will try my best to give a warning ahead of time if I will be mentioning a spoiler. But yeah, it is just a forewarning in case you are completely, you hate spoilers. And if I manage to miss one or two warnings, if that'll completely deter you, this I'm just telling you ahead of time. So the summary of this story is that our pro- protagonist, Cha Shiyun, oh my god, I feel like I'm butchering it so bad. This one I feel like I could, I could pronounce slightly more than the author's name, but even so, I, I feel so bad. But she has successfully, our main protagonist, in her first life, in Korea, has successfully escaped her toxic home life, and she has begun attending the pre- prestigious university that she killed herself studying to get into, only to end up reincarnating as Penelope Eckert, adopted daughter of Duke Eckert, the villainous of a reverse harem dating sim she was playing just hours before. So this dating sim was called Daughter of the Duke Love Project and she just found it one day and she was, you know, as a reward for getting herself into college, she was like, let me just relax and play this um, this game. And so of course she, uh, she starts with normal mode as Yvonne Eckhart, who is the missing daughter of the Duke. And she goes on all these paths with the uh, main love interests and you know finds her dream guy or whatever you got you probably know what a dating sim is (laughs) but um for Yvonne in normal mode all of them start out with liking her at 30 percent so what's different here is that each character has like a percentage bar above their head and so for yeah for Yvonne it starts out at 30 percent so they already like her like they have a good impression of her and it just increases from there. There's no dislike. There's no hate. It's just kind of like a neutrality in the beginning. But for Penelope the Villainous, there is a hard mode. So once Cha Shiyun has completed all of the routes in the normal mode as Yvonne, she has decided to challenge herself and play as Penelope Eckhart in the hard mode. Where all the characters, all the male leads, all the love interests start out at 0%. And some even in the negatives. So as... We'll talk about him later, Reynold Eckhart, her adopted brother. He starts out with a negative 10%. Um, But yeah, with the rest of the citizens who aren't the love interest, they all hate her because Penelope has caused ruckus and destruction throughout her life. And so they just find her very displeasing as a person. Her disposition is 
unlikable. But yeah, Cha Xiyun decides that she's going to conquer this hard mode and she tries over and over and over again as Penelope and she keeps dying because no matter what she chooses as her dialogue option, you know, the game gives her choices on what to say and almost every single choice that she chooses leads to death somehow. So all routes for her lead to death. And she ge- she keeps getting stuck in this one part and it frustrates her so much and she plays this game well into the night and loses sleep over it and spends all her free time doing it. And one day she just falls asleep after her, who knows, 500th time dying and she wakes up as Penelope Eckhart. And what's interesting about this one is that she didn't die. Like in this case, Cha Shiyong did not die. She just fell asleep and suddenly woke up in the game instead. And so there's a running joke in the Monho community where there's Truck-kun because if you read a lot of this genre specifically in, in uh, Manhua, you'll notice that a lot of the characters, before they're reincarnated, they get hit by a truck. I don't know why it's a truck specifically. Like, it's so weird why it's that one vehicle. It's not a car or maybe a horse carriage, although I have seen both of those. It's mostly a truck, and so they've kind of put him as truck-kun or truck-sama, um, which are honorifics in Japanese. And <laughs> yeah, as the guy who will like isekai you into another world. But finally, Trakun has decided not to interfere this time because our main protagonist has just fallen asleep. And this does happen in some cases as well. Death is the only ending for the villainous is not the first Manhua to do this and certainly will not be the last. But yes, for the rest of the summary is that Penelope must choose one of the male leads to reach a happy ending in order to survive. But somehow, the favorability of the male leads does not rise quickly. Like for Yvonne, when she was playing in normal mode, Yvonne would just smile or do some kind deed. She'd have Disney princess vibes all over her and birds would sing and and all of the guys would be like, wow, amazing. And they would go up by like 15%, you know? But for Penelope, she can be doing literally nothing and everyone will just dislike her or she does one thing and if the percentage does go up a little bit, it'll go up maybe 3%. Or 1% even at a time. But as we see more throughout the story, the more Penelope just decides to... (laughs) She'll just be like, you know what? I don't want to act all nice and all cutesy and all pretending because everyone already has a bad impression of me. She just decides that she's just going to cross the line with them and tell them how it is. Be like, you guys are jerks. You're pushing me around all the time. I didn't do anything to you and you're being bitchy to me and it doesn't make any sense and she just she just decides to be upfront with them about it and instead of getting mad at her they're like oh that's interesting and their favorability meter goes up so that's what I find really interesting but most of all I normally really like this story for the fact that she's just blunt with them because in some other stories like who made me a princess or daughter of the emperor both of which are very similar to each other the uh main character just chooses like even though she they don't like the care the their the character they're acting cutesy to they just decide that they're going to act cutesy in order to survive because it's like if i can gain your trust if i can make you think that i'm cute um then you won't kill me (laughs) which is you know weird dynamic wouldn't really happen in real life but we just let it go because it's fiction (laughs) um in this case that's just it is kind of like that you know penelope's life is on the line every decision she makes everything she says could end up killing her and so i think that i expected her to go down the same path but instead, she's just like, if I die, then maybe I'll just go back to my normal life in Korea. Because it seems like she's not super afraid of death. She doesn't really know what'll await her, though. So she's not trying to get herself killed because she doesn't know if her life will really end or if she'll just wake up from this dream she thinks she's having. At least in the beginning, she thinks she's having it. This odd nightmare. But, you know, she's not afraid of it. And so she just chooses that to just, you know, tell it as it is. This manhua covers a lot of tropes, and if you haven't noticed just from reading it, 
I ended up realizing that there were a hell of a lot more tropes than I realized just by going through another article. Because I do read this manhua periodically as it updates, but I have not read it all in sequence. So in the matriarch, I'll be the matriarch in this life, I had read it all in sequence. And that's why I decided to do it because I was like, all of this information is fresh on my mind and I want to share and I want to talk about it. But in this case, there's not too much that's fresh on my mind. I did have to go back and do a lot of rereading, a lot of research. Which is totally fine. I'm still really interested and really excited to talk about it. But normally when I, while I'm reading, you kind of just make a mental note that a trope has come up. You're like, oh, yep, I've seen this before. Or, oh, this seems familiar. Or this has to be a trope, right? But I was going through an article and, and it was for tropes, I think, specifically in this manhwa. And I was like, that's... I was like, damn, that's a lot of tropes. I wasn't even expecting that many. There were so many, and some of them were good. Some of them were interesting. Some of them enhanced the plot. But some of them were really cliche, so, you know, that that happens. But I, I honestly just am in love with the way Penelope handles things. Like, her reactions, and plus the way that she just acts towards each character. Because I've seen some comments, I've read some things online, and not everyone agrees with me on this. You know, some people believe that she's too harsh towards her brothers or towards other people, and that she doesn't care about them, she only cares about herself, she only does things that benefit herself. But what people seem to not realize is that she has to. Like, I doubt you've ever been placed in a situation where your every action, your every word could end up ending your life where you have to basically live on the edge of your seat and tiptoe around every situation. Like I doubt any of us have had to go through that at any at every moment. And if we did, yeah, we're going to prioritize prioritize ourselves first because no one is dying, nothing dramatic or tragic is happening currently. And if Penelope is not going out of her way to make sure little Billy doesn't trip on the rock, uh, then I don't personally think that's harsh. Like, the she was being harsh towards her maid because her maid was trying to kill her. Like, she was feeding her rotten food, and then when Penelope was sleeping, she was stabbing her arms with needles so that there would be scars. Like, that's not... That's not something I'd say is kind, necessarily. So Penelope's actions towards blackmailing the maid was honestly justified, in my opinion. You can continue to hate her for you know, prioritizing herself, but wait until you get into that situation and see what you would do. Um, because I doubt you would be all unicorns and rainbows towards every person knowing how every person hates you and wants you dead. Like, that's not an easy life to live. And personally, because Penelope does end up becoming nice. Like, she ends up bonding with her maid and with a lot of other people once she's able to make a living for herself and secure a title and once the maid has gained her trust and once they grow closer together in a relationship, you know, the maid actually ends up being one of the only people that Penelope forgives at the end of the story. Out of the whole dukedom that Penelope Eckhart grew up in, from her father to her adopted brothers and all of that. So she's not heartless. I just think it's funny how people expect her to care for others when she's in such a situation, especially in the beginning, especially when she has nothing and... All of the actions that Penelope had done in the past were not her own because she had now reincarnated into Penelope's body. Another thing that I really like about this manhua that I'm just kind of sharing my initial thoughts on it right now is that it actually goes into depth about the main character's past life in Korea instead of just skipping over it because I've seen so many manhua where we barely know what her past life was. Just that she existed. We may not even have known her, her name, what she did... Um, just that she was reading it, she was just a normal civil servant, and then she was walking down the road, and then a truck hit her, <laughs> once again with the truck, <laughs> but a truck hit her, and she gets reincarnated, and that's it. And honestly, I find that to be kind of dull, because I get it, the other just wants to skip that part as soon as possible and move on into the real uh, interesting part of the reincarnated life, but this author really develops Cha Xion's character, her life in Korea, her family, the abuse she goes through, how hard she worked to study and to, to get into the college. And there was a reason behind that, to escape her family. And there was a reason why she started playing this game. It wasn't all just random and her toiling over it also wasn't random. I mean, 
when I'm going to mention some of my favorite moments, this will really tie into play. And that's why I just really enjoyed it because it shows that she has a life and she had, she was a person before she got reincarnated and it just adds a lot of depth into the character. And so more about Penelope's just, I was just kind of going off of what I might initially thought. She's just not a pushover. You know, she trusts her instincts and picks up on red flags. She's able to tell when, when, where things are going, the direction a situation is going, you know, the mood um, and atmos- atmosphere of, you know, the people that she talks to. That's another thing that I really like about her. And I know I'm putting a lot of praise on her. She's not a perfect person. But yeah, she's just doing what she can, honestly. And I respect that because here's a spoiler. She will end up running away from the dukedom at some point. And I haven't, we haven't gotten to that part yet in the manhwa, but in the light novel, she does end up running away for a little bit. And honestly, I cannot wait to get to that part because there have been, once again, so many manhwas that I've read where the character's like, I'm going to stack up on jewels. I'm going to make a fortune and then I'm going to run away and I'm going to go to some little college, not college. I'm going to go to some little cottage in some faraway mountain and live a happy, peaceful life there where I don't have to get involved with the story. I'll just live in this world and not have to be involved. And they never end up doing that. They just never do because they choose some other route and it just spirals off. And I'm like, where? what happened to that idea? Like, was it really that short-lived? Um, because for me, it would not be short-lived. If my life was on the line... I would be out of there before you could say my life is on the line. Like, I would be out of there as fast as possible. There's no way I'm staying there right next to someone, you know, who's going to kill me. These people end up trying to build relationships with them. And I'm like, you know what? He's a serial killer. And I think that I don't want to associate with him, her, or any of their entourage. So yeah, I would be gone. Um, I know that if that's what they actually did, that would take away from the entire plot of the manhwa. And you might as well have just not created the manhwa in the first place if that's what the character ends up doing. But I feel like maybe have a little more common sense instead of just, you know, doing whatever else they're doing. Because in this case, Penelope, you know, it wouldn't have been smart for her to just run away initially. Um, But once she is able to run away, thinking it through, then she does. And I'm like, yeah, get out of that toxic household, girl. Like, you go, because what's the point of staying in there when you're just going to be hurt by it, right? Of course, she wasn't rash. She didn't just leave right away. Um, I might have been rash and left right away, but she didn't. Um, And she just, she stayed until she found the right time. And I don't know how that's going to progress, because once again, this is a spoiler I found, so it will happen eventually, but at this point, she's still part of the dukedom, and she hasn't run away yet. But even not running away, she still makes a stand for herself in the manor. So I'm I'm so excited for her, because I just know there will never be a moment where she will just sit and tolerate any mistreatment. And I know that there will be any, like, if there is a character that has wronged her, they just, they won't get away with it. So that's what I also really love about this manhwa, and that's why it's, it's exciting to read. Because there isn't too much of a romance aspect to it, at least not yet. I know a lot of people in the comments are literally screaming and simping over Callisto. Like, apparently we are, I feel like this is not a spoiler, because even though we haven't really seen it outright in the manhwa, everybody has been screaming it non-stop in the comments and it's getting pretty obvious that Callisto uh, Regulus the crown prince is the male lead yes he's a murderer but let's just overlook that <laughs> okay let's just let's just casually move past it and not think about that because he's really nice to Penelope so that's the only thing that matters although let me let me correct myself because he's not really nice to Penelope right now He's just like slightly caring about her, but there's a lot of, you know, sarcastic humor there. So no, personally, I'm like reading it and I think that their relationship dynamic is actually really interesting. So that's why I I like it as well. But a lot of people argue that he's like the best male lead ever. And I'm like, I don't know if that's exactly the case. Maybe I will change my mind once 
I read more <laughs> and once their relationship progresses even more um but at this point in time I'm like mm, maybe not because he kind of like he's really intimidating he cuts off a bear head and he's like here is my gift to you and I was like that is you know so flattering <laughs> thank you like who wouldn't want a bear head as a gift you know it's it's like dripping with blood and it's like beady eyes are staring at you um when I was younger I hated looking at dead lobsters because they always creeped me out um and of course some places that you go will not have like deshelled it so you just have to like casually eat the lobster while it's looking at you not super fun I'm not saying they're eating the bear in this case but like he's just holding the bear head and he's like here you know take it I would have literally screamed in his face what is wrong with you but you know if, if everybody else finds that super attractive then that's that's on them that's totally fine I understand you know but his sarcastic humor is it's not exactly bullying it's more of like a it's more of like a playful bully vibe instead of like a hurtful traumatizing bullying vibe that Derek and Reynolds had inflicted onto Penelope when she was younger you know so that's what makes it okay because I bully my sisters but it's out of love and and you know affection to them so it's kind of kind of the same vibe that's going on here anyway we started talking about Callisto but I, I went off track that's more of like the character development here um honestly there's still things about Callisto that I want to talk about but we'll save that for later in the podcast let's talk about some of the best moments so far and when I thought about best moments I didn't know too much because there are so many that I can't even narrow it down if you know me, you know that some of my favorite moments ever are when characters can stand up for themselves, um, whether that be in manga or manhwa and anime. I just really, really, really admire it. I remember being 14 and I remember being desperate to be strong because I had hated being helpless and defenseless and I had been in so many scenarios and it irritated me more than anything else and I it irritated me when other people couldn't stand up for themselves more than anything else and so or when characters are in movies or books or series just couldn't do anything so I was like I'm not gonna be like them so I'm just going to get stronger and uh that's why I decided to do taekwondo I think originally it was supposed to be aikido but a studio was too far from where I live so I was like yep we'll just stick with taekwondo and then it was the best decision I ever made because I've met some incredible people there and the whole community is just amazing but enough about taekwondo because that's more about me and not about the story <laughs> itself but yeah point is that Penelope stands up for herself a lot and there are so many badass moments in this manhwa that I can't even narrow it down because um, in the last episode we talked about a few that that had gone on um, and if we were just going to talk about that then I could basically fill up this entire podcast with just moments that Penelope blows us away and gives us a satisfactory result and basically just roasts the shit out of everybody else honestly like an icon Normally, those are the moments that stand out to me because obviously plot is interesting, but that's basically what these villainous manhua are all about, is the whole vibe of just her trying to prove herself, but not desperately. She's just going to just start acting like a queen and then everyone else has to accept it. But the one moment that I remember literally getting goosebumps reading, and I also had to take a breather, you know, run a few laps because I was like... I was like hyperventilating so like this is crazy was when Penelope stands up to Reynolds in the attic attic room during like the fireworks festival and I think this is around chapter 43 to 44 I loved this chapter so much I went back and reread it so many times because Penelope doesn't jump to attacking Reynolds in this case you know Reynolds actually starts attacking Penelope but for once Penelope isn't like angry at him or tries to stand up to defend herself because in this case Reynolds is blaming Penelope for when she was 12 during the fireworks festival she came up to this attic and she prayed that Yvonne would never return and Yvonne is yeah Reynolds and 
Derek, so both of them, uh, uh, Penelope's adopted brothers, Yvonne is their blood sister. Which, let's like take a rewind. (laughs) Wait, I just realized something. If if Yvonne is their... If Yvonne is their blood sister, then Derek and Reynolds cannot be love interests. That just doesn't. It just does. It no. Mm-mm. It's not. It's not okay. Like honestly, I would be very, very uncomfortable with it. I don't think they were though. I personally think that it was just the other ones. I think it was just Eccles, Vincent, and Callisto. But that honestly, I didn't. That actually has not even. That did not come across my mind until just now because if I thought of it earlier I would have looked it up and I would have double checked but the fact that this is coming to me right now is putting me in a state of shock because I did not think how did I not think of this earlier I guess I was just so absorbed into Penelope's story that I didn't even realize that Yvonne was actually supposed to be the main character of the whole game in the first place um moving on we're just gonna complete we're going to we're gonna act like Derek and Reynolds are not in the picture. But either way, back to the actual moment. Reynold is getting really mad at Penelope and he's just like, okay, so we're just gonna like overlook the fact that you basically wished death upon my sister. And Penelope is, of course, the reincarnated Penelope, so she didn't know that the original Penelope had done this when she was 12 years old. And she suddenly feels a wave of guilt and remorse just flood over her she was like I didn't know that this is what Penelope did like that's absolutely hor. that's a horrible thing to say um and so Penelope just you know begins apologizing to Reynolds it's like I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that I was young and I was foolish and I deeply apologize for it and this was one of the first times that I did see Penelope feel genuine guilt for um something that she did because of course there were other things she did that circumstance under certain circumstances but you know, wishing death upon someone is never okay, whether it be in Manhua or in real life. I know a lot of people can feel guilty of, are guilty of feeling irritation or rage against someone and wishing them misfortune, but wishing death upon someone is just, it's really sad. So, of course, I understood Penelope's um, grief and remorse, and her apology was, of course, understandable towards Reynolds, even though Reynolds did bully Penelope that doesn't mean that Penelope was completely not at fault for some things that Reynolds was angry at her for but instead of accepting her apology Reynolds continues to bash on Penelope and yell at her and be like oh so you think that just an apology is going to fix everything and he just his favorability meter like the percentages just keep going down 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 it was like at 10%, I think, by this point, so he she had raised it 20% from the negative 10%, then an, an additional 10 um, And it was qu- it was quickly, at least I think it was 10%, may have been somewhere in that range. But as Reynolds was getting angrier, his percentage was quickly dropping. It was going to 8, and then it was to 6, and then finally it stopped at 4%. And Penelope was like, oh my god, he's, he could, like, kill me. Like, he's getting really mad right now like if she says one wrong thing he can just pull out his sword little chop chop and her head will be flying across the room so Penelope's like okay but as Reynold is getting increasingly angry Penelope is also starting to feel a bit annoyed because yes she does feel bad that the original Penelope had said those things but the more she was thinking about it she was like I understand why Penelope said those things you know she was 12 she was 12 years old she had just been picked up off the streets by Duke Eckhart uh, and just had been asked by the Duke to pretend to be the lost daughter of his because she looked similar to Yvonne and so of course Penelope the young Penelope had wished that Yvonne would never return because if Yvonne returned, Penelope believed that she would be then cast from the mansion and have to live on the streets again in poverty. Of course, she was young and foolish in that way, but, you know, she had her reasons for doing it. 
at least at that time. And the fact that Reynolds was not, not only that he wasn't understanding any of this, but he was using this one thing as a justification for tormenting Penelope the rest, for the rest of her life, the new reincarnated Penelope, Cha Xion, was feeling really upset about this because she was starting to associate Reynolds and Derek and the Duke with her family back in Korea because she had a similar family dynamic where they ignored her and they bullied her and abused her verbally and physically and it was just really bad, right? So Penelope was beginning to see Reynolds as one of her older brothers who would act very similar to him and she stood up to him and basically said, when I was 12, I was when you accused me of stealing a necklace that basically ruined my life, I was only a 12-year-old illiterate girl who didn't even know the value of a necklace. And that left Reynolds stunned, because <laughs> he was not expecting that. And she also basically, she just went into talking about how she was having to dig food out of the trash can, hoping that someone would have left scraps and not being able to afford money for her mother's funeral so she was always sitting next to a corpse and having to drink rain from the sky. I mean, she was recalling all of these terrible accounts from her poverty and Reynolds was like, oh, I'm sorry, like I didn't know that it was that hard for you. And she was like, yeah, of course you wouldn't know. Like you've been raised in this rich, this luxurious mansion your whole life. So it was just cool. I'm I'm just recalling it right now and it's it's just so crazy to me because this was one of those where it wasn't kind of like a playful, lighthearted scene. It was it was dark and it was deep and and both Penelope and Reynolds felt pain from it, but both of them were able to see each other's perspectives if even for a moment. And I think one of my favorite lines cuz there were a couple that Penelope said. I think the one that got Reynolds really angry was because he was like, what, do you want me to treat you like a queen? Um, and he was, and she was like, yeah, why don't you do that at least? And then maybe I'll feel like acting like your dead sister. And he was like, oh my goodness. Okay, wow. That was, that was tense. There were so many moments. That was one of them where you just had to like, take a, take a pause, inhale, exhale, and then continue reading. Because I was like, oh, Wow. That, I mean, honestly, that wasn't super smart because that got Reynolds even angrier. But that was towards the beginning, I think. I'll, I'm, I'm really recalling the scene out of sequence. But all of this ends up happening. The kind of angering of Reynolds happens in the beginning. And then once she begins recalling the events of her life in poverty when she was younger, then Reynolds kind of, kind of shuts up and is like stunned into silence. But in the very end, um, Penelope was like, oh yeah, so you thought that I was just wishing for her to be, to her, for her to never return because I was going to be kicked out, right? And back into poverty. And she's like, it's ironic because you make me feel like worse than a beggar in the time that I've been here. And he's just like, his mouth is like on the floor. I mean, his jaw's on the floor. And she just walks out, just leaving him there. And I was like, oh my God, you go. Um, and as she's like walking down the steps um, away from the attic, she's kind of like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that because like that was not super smart. That probably made him mad. But she was like, I'm not dead yet, though. He didn't pull out a sword and kill me. So I guess it didn't go all that wrong. But yeah, I I did love that scene. And when I was thinking of the best moments, that was one that popped up very vividly in my mind. Honestly, any moment that Penelope and Callisto have together, I would consider as a good moment. Well, uh, I may take that back because the very first time Penelope actually meets Callisto is in, in a garden. So there is like a banquet at the Imperial Palace and Penelope just goes outside for some fresh air. And Callisto like all of a sudden corners her with a sword being like, why did you follow me out here? And she's, just <laughs> she's like, I didn't like I'm just out here for some for some oxygen and <laughs> He's just like, that's a little suspicious. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because like I would probably cry if he did that to me. But yeah, he is like one of those that does not care who he kills, when he kills them, if they're part of a noble family or if they're just a commoner. So that's why Penelope was genuinely scared when he was threatening her with the sword because she knew that with if, if she didn't give him a satisfactory answer... He would also lop her head off. 
I don't know what it is with all of the the beheading, but yeah, no, she was genuinely afraid of him because he liked her also at zero percent, right? And if you are, if you, if he, if he dislikes you that much, then you're in trouble, especially since the crown prince is known as like a vicious murderer but what we don't kind of find out until later is that he has a lot of assassins that are after him and i think that's where he gets his reputation from is that there are so many people after him trying to kill him that it kind of explains why he kills a lot of people because he's probably killing the assassins or the spies that are after him i don't think he just goes out randomly on a killing spree just massacring all these people i don't think he does that i initially believed that and so when when everyone in the comments was like oh yeah our hero, I was like, that does not match up with what I'm seeing right here. But it kind of, it kind of explains it. I don't hate him as much now. Um, but what happens to get out of the situation is that Penelope tells Callisto that she has been in love with him for a long time. So she followed him out here to like confess to him, I think. I, I may be making part of this up, but she does tell him that she, she's like in love with him. Um, and that's like the reason that she was out in the garden like looking at, at kind of stalking him you know um and he finds this intriguing so he you know lower, lowers his sword um and i think he ends up going away first i think he ends up leaving the garden first before she does but he ends up telling her that the next time they meet she needs to tell him in full detail why she loves him uh when she realized it and all of the backstory <laughs> And she was kind of in shock, so she didn't process all of this. But later, she's like, why? What is all of this? <laughs> like, how did how did this even unfold in this manner? And in the same party, in the same banquet, when she's leaving the gardens, when she also meets Vincent. Wait, no. Why do I keep calling him Vincent? I don't think his name is Vincent, but it starts with a V. I think his name's Vinter, actually. Because some, some translators call him Vinter and others call him Winter. And I think it's Vinter, honestly. Because that's what I've seen most of the time. But whether it's Vinter or Winter, we know who it is. Since there isn't a character with a name similar to his. We meet him. He is, of course, the most gentlemanly guy we have met in probably this entire manhua. Which is why he's literally my favorite character. And he's very underrated because he's not two-faced. So like a lot of people are two-faced they'll be nice to your face and they're crazy or they're scary or they're intimidating behind your back um but no vincent is just not vincent vincent or vinter or winter vinter is like the sweetest uh he is mysterious he is mysterious but he's super nice and there will be definitely more discussion about him later because we're just get we're just skimming the surface of him right now that's when she ends up meeting him um, but I think that one banquet was a super important moment because that's when she meets Callisto. That's when she meets Vinter. And we kind of get a glimpse of both of their personalities to start out with. And both of them, you know, are starting at zero. But after the whole love declaration of Penelope, it wasn't super extravagant, but it was mostly done out of fear and coercion. And as a lot of people probably know, confessions, whether they be romantic or just confessions in general under torture i don't think they're really genuine confessions at all under you know intimidation but yeah after saying that callisto's percentage went up like one or two percent so that was interesting and Vinter's, i think went up at least five maybe even more after the whole encounter because Vinter was nice and gave her like a handkerchief because i think she was like crying because she was scared one of the only times penelope cries because yeah that was she just got out of a really scary situation but yeah, he helps her to her feet and there's like this nice, sweet, endearing moment between them. Vinter has a good impression of Penelope, but we don't really see him until much later from that point on. Another good moment was in the beginning, as this was also in, towards the beginning, when Penelope has to eat moldy food in order to escape the other options. So this was in the very, very beginning when Penelope had just reincarnated. She didn't have kind of the will of her free will of speech. She had to choose between three options of what to say or what to do. And this made it very, very difficult for Penelope to survive um, and gain a good impression on people because the options were not very good options. 
one of them was like to make a, f a fuss and to throw the table over once she realized that the maid had fed her moldy food. The second one was to force the maid to eat moldy food. And the third option was to eat the moldy food herself. And Penelope was looking at these options and she's like, I would not do any of these things. And, you know, she has a flashback to when she was Cha Shiyun and how when she tried the other two options the making a fuss and throwing the table over and feeding the maid the moldy food she was caught doing it and scolded by her brother Reynold I think and I think it was Reynold yes in this case she was caught and she was scolded for making a mess and for being for tormenting the maid and all of these other things and instead of the focus being that the maid was actually trying to feed Penelope moldy food the focus was more on that Penelope was making a big deal out of it um, and so both times when she chose those options, she ended up dying. So with great hesitation, uh, Penelope, the new, the reincarnated Penelope chooses the third and the last option, which was to eat the moldy food herself. So she slowly, shakingly takes the spoon of this disgusting, rotten looking soup and, and eats a bite of it and immediately feels sick to her stomach and just like, wants to throw up and Reynold is like passing the room and he sees her and he's like what's going on he realizes that she ate the food and she's like he's actually surprisingly trying to help her but she refuses his help um and then he kind of gets mad being like fine like the doctor doesn't have time to see you no one cares about if you eat moldy food anyway um and he kind of just leaves her but she did end up surviving this incident and this was a pretty honestly this was a pretty big occasion in my opinion only because uh, after this, the maid is kind of surprised. This leads to Penelope realizing that um, the maid is also the one that's pricking her forearm with the needle when she sleeps. And then when she catches the maid, she ends up blackmailing her. So this was a pretty big event. But also, you know, it was when Penelope is her first time escaping death from the other option. So I, I find that to be pretty significant. But the fact that, you know, she did end up just swallowing her pride and having to eat this disgusting dish I don't know I found that to be alarming surprising and I was like cheering for her and I'd say the last not definitely not the last because it's hard for me to narrow narrow down all the best moments but the last one that I'll just talk about today is when she ends up calling the duke father for the first time in like 10 years because when Penelope first came to the dukedom, she called her she called her adopted father, the duke, she called him father, and she called her brother's brother, and she kind of had this family dynamic going on. But after her brothers and her father both blamed her for stealing a necklace and treated her harshly, she just ended up reverting back to their titles. So she didn't call her brother's brother again. And she most certainly did not call the Duke father ever again. She just called him Your Your Grace, Your Excellency, or Duke um, by his title. And so what she knew, what uh, Cha Xion knew from playing the game was that when Penelope call, there's a certain option if when she when she clicks it will unlock the ability for her to speak. And it's when in one of the three options. It's to call the Duke father for the first time. So if she clicks that option and she decides to say that, um, the game will unlock the ability for her to speak. And now she'll, she will be free of the options. She doesn't have to turn on or use the options to maneuver through life anymore. So that's really good. She did not want to call him father because she still believes he was under, she still believed that he was undeserving of the name. And personally, I do too. I would not have called him that because I don't think he deserves that. But if she wanted to get that option, then she had to to call him father. And so she did. Um, he was surprised. It was like they made this big deal out of it. <laughs> but of course, Penelope had just done it for the secret hidden button that allowed her to turn off the in-game settings of the pre-made options for her to say or for her to, for what she could do. And honestly, that was a big, big turning point because now that she wasn't restricted to only three things she could say or do, it was much easier for her to try to mend her relationships or, you know, not get herself killed. So let's move on to some theories. 
I don't think there are that many theories, honestly, because since the night light novel is completed, um, and it's v and it's very far ahead with all the side stories, um, so many questions that the manhwa readers can be answered by reading the original novel. Even though the translation is not super favorable at times, it's pretty understandable. So if you do some digging, your questions can be answered, even just through forums of people discussing uh, what had gone on in the novel. But so far, I guess, we'll, let's just talk about some things that are curious to me in the manhwa so far. So I noticed, I think this, that Vinter, like, does he know who Penelope is? Because they have like this relationship later on where Penelope gains a favor from Vinter after helping him and um but they were both like wearing masks so their identities were disguised and they ended up meeting in Vinter's office like at Penelope being one of his clients for magical items and Penelope knew that it was Vinter um but does Vinter know that the, his secret mysterious client was Penelope because someone mentioned that he's aware that Penelope is not the true villainess of the novel that and he's aware of her situation of being like the the victim here instead of the person that's trying to cause chaos that the not that Yvonne is the villainess but that Yvonne doesn't have the purest best intentions that everyone always assumes but of course that's just a theory so I'm not super sure Honestly, that's probably the only theory that I have so far. There's not that much. It's just that we don't see too much of Vinter. So I really don't know his intentions. I don't know what he knows and what he doesn't know. And um, he's probably the character we've seen the least so far of the love interests of the male leads. So that's why there's not much to know about him, but there's a lot to be curious about him. So that's why. Let's go on to one of my favorite, favorite sections. I think this is characters in development. We're not really going to do ships because I feel like everybody already knows that Callisto and Penelope are going to end up together. And plus, we haven't really gotten to that part, but everyone's saying that all of their like character dynamic uh, relationship stuff comes in later. And we haven't really gotten to that part yet in the uh, manhwa. So I'm super excited to talk about just the characters and the development of the characters in general. Let's start with the Duke, our lovely father Duke. Um, he's like the dad that you think you want, but in reality, you don't actually want him because he just seems really fake. Like all it took was for Penelope to call him father again for the first time in 10 years and he'll do anything for her now. Like he prepared this crossbow for her and he made sure that everyone else respected her now that they eat dinner together. And it's just, it's so weird. His attitude has just completely t changed to her. And it's just, you know, both Derek and Reynold and the whole family and the Duke, they all just forcibly accepted Penelope as an adopted member of the family when she was younger, but none of them actually showed her any love or support in her youth. And for this weird attitude switch up is just, it doesn't sit right with me, you know? But we also don't know too much of the Duke because he's once again a supportive side character. As long as he can stick his nose out of Penelope's business, that's fine with me. Derek. Okay, Derek, Derek, Derek. Our good friend, Derek. Derek Eckhart, the eldest son of the Eckhart family. He's the literal definition of a snobby eldest son. And I know he's snobby in this way because he's the heir and he'll succeed his father. And because, and because he'll succeed his father, he believes that he has the power over everyone and the responsibility to just like control everyone, you know, including Penelope, especially Penelope. And he's just so annoying because he tries so hard and so little at the same time to redeem himself. Like, he thinks that by doing it subtly will make up for everything and it just doesn't, you know? I would much rather have a direct apology than by him, like, getting some- than him buying, like, a scarf. I'm not saying he did that, but, like, he bought her something. And I'm like, you know, you can just buy something for two cents. That doesn't mean- that doesn't make up for any of the- lost feelings and that does not certainly mean that certainly doesn't mean as much as an apology um and a genuine apology at that but he just soils the name of the eldest child because i am an eldest child <laughs> and i can confirm that we're not all like this snobby Derek guy yeah it just you we do have so many responsibilities and i understand where Derek stands as an eldest child 
to have so many responsibilities in the family being like the first right but i don't like abuse this power like derek does you know maybe just a little bit but it's not like overly bad i just know that my siblings are listening to this and they're just like snickering like don't snicker okay <laughs> you know i'm a good elder sister but um moving on he just has a bad reputation on the title and Derek just needs to calm down. Like, he's flipped out for no reason. And that's just why he kind of sits on the bottom of my list for characters in development. Because I'm really rating development as much as in, like, how much they grow as a person. You know, how much were they in the, from the beginning of the story to the end of the story? And how much they've improved um, with their relationship toward Penelope? Because in this story, it really is centered over, like, the relationship with her. And, like, how they treated her and then how they treat her now. Especially since they have a percentage right above their head. So she can always check like, okay, he likes me this much. He likes me that much. Or what she said was like effective or not. <laughs> like in real life, you really can't do that. Because it's like, oh man, you only like me 2%. Or you like me 90, like, you know, you only like me 98%. Like what, what, what are those 2% that's keeping you from liking me 100%? Or what did I do to you for you to only like me 2%? But anyway, Derek doesn't really grow as much. He has not grown so far. I will not speak for in the future because some people who love Derek are like, but he grows and he ends up being super worried about Penelope and going and finding her and trying to look for her when she ends up running away from the dukedom. But so far, what I've seen is that he has not grown a lot. And it's just like, I don't like how he expects her to just like fawn over him, give him amulets of like protection and stuff. She, Because she gave one to the Duke and she bought another one, which Callisto ended up taking thinking it was his during the hunting competition. But And just because she didn't get one for Reynold or Derek, both of them were like mad all of a sudden. I'm like, and their percentage went down. I was like, okay, really? That's all it takes for you to dislike her? But yeah, I don't know. Apparently he gets worried over her. But I also heard that um, from a spoiler that as soon as Yvonne appears at um, Penelope's social debut ceremony... He takes Yvonne's side immediately and basically just, like, everything that was built up in the whole Manhua, like, the whole relationship just shatters on the ground. No matter what Penelope does, he will just always value Yvonne more than her. And I think it's the same with Reynold and the Duke, and they just value Yvonne more. They don't see Penelope really as family, and that's why I can't rate them high on development or... Rate them high on the character list in general. The Blood Sister will just always be better. And I don't even know if Yvonne's a good person or not. We don't even know much about her. <sighs> Man. And Reynold is like similar. He's definitely not the same. I was about to say similar if not the same. He's the same in terms of taking Yvonne's side, right? Their Blood Sister's side. But he is definitely very, very different from Derek. While Derek is like the stuck-up, super responsible elder brother, Reynold is like the middle child who is super reckless and outgoing and extroverted. And he's kind of a tsundere because he he never says what he means. And honestly, it annoys Penelope that he doesn't. And honestly, I feel like it would annoy me too. Just say it. You know, if you're upset, say it. If you're happy or moved, then say it. <laughs> What's the point of masking it or covering it up by insulting her? It just, it's, it always confuses me. But, um, Reynold ends up, he does develop more than Derek. And I feel like you can slowly start to see how he genuinely cares for Penelope, whether she, or not she gets hurt and trying to ward off anyone else that tries to get close to her. One thing, though, is that when Penelope does end up running away from the dukedom, he kind of... Like, Derek goes out to find her and Reynold kind of sits in his room getting drunk and just wallowing in his sadness and regretting all of the mean things he said to Penelope over the years. Like, now is not the time to be regretting and wallowing in sadness, Reynold. Like, you should have thought about that a long time ago before you said any of those things um, instead of just thinking about it now once she's gone and regretting it all of a sudden. But yeah, he offers to escort her to one of the festivals too. And Penelope does, really doesn't want him to go. But, you know, at least he hasn't killed her yet, right? <laughs> right, you guys? Um, so that's development right there. <laughs> Reynold definitely ranks higher than Derek. And I think he sits pretty high up there as well. But so far, 
We haven't gotten to a super intimidating moment yet where all of the guys have to choose between Yvonne and Penelope. And I feel like their true natures will really begin to show when that social debut ceremony for Penelope happens, when that event takes place. So, Vinter, we kind of talked a little bit about him before. I rank him high, not because I see him often or not because he improves much in terms of development because he was honestly really nice from the beginning and I think that he will continue to be really nice throughout. I just rank him high because he's nice. Like what's so wrong with that? I mean maybe some of us out here don't want someone (laughs) who's gonna (laughs) who's gonna you know someone intimidating like Callisto or snobby like Derek Um, in our lives we just want a nice simple guy like Vinter who has kids in his basement no I'm just kidding he doesn't he doesn't have kids in his basement but he does have like these really cute kids who are magic apprentices and they're just so sweet like when we it was so wholesome when they uh, were interacting with Penelope and um, I hope we get to see them in some more scenes because it was just a really wholesome sweet break and Vinter is like definitely a a child kind of guy like that's just so sweet (laughs) I feel like he's so underrated and I want to see more of him so that we can uncover more mysteries because he's such a mysterious person but I know that he's genuinely kind-hearted so that's why I really like him a lot um here's a spoiler but in the social debut for Penelope she orders poison from him and he doesn't know like what it's for but then he like sees her drinking the poison and he's shocked and once again I just cannot wait for the her grand debut because I know it's gonna be a big splash she's going to do something super shocking and it's just gonna be so cool to see everyone's reactions (laughs) so but apparently he's involved in that so we know that he's gonna be involved in that and that that we'll see him then but I think he knows that she ordered poison from him but she he didn't know why and then he sees her drink the poison and he's like you know insert Pikachu face because like what just happened but yeah I would rank him pretty high unlike the next character we're going to talk about which is Eccleese he is like the slave knight who is uh he's a slave who is a knight from a fallen empire and he is one of the most suspicious characters I would say in this entire manhwa his percentage goes up so fast like so fast it was so weird because at first I was like oh my god like Eccleese just finally appreciates how nice she is as a person maybe he's like he's the route to go you know like no apparently not because I started seeing my suspicions because he never actually looked like he liked her He's looking at her as though he secretly hates her, um, but his percentage bar goes up really, really quickly. And so I find that suspicious. And then Penelope also found that really suspicious. And she realized kind of all in one that I thought that, you know, Eccles was going to be like the route to go because when she was playing Yvonne's route, Eccles was the one that had the most sympathy and pity for Penelope as the villainess, um, as the abandoned daughter of the Duke. Abandoned and adopted daughter of the Duke. But so she was like, since Eccles has the most pity for me, I'll go down his route. But apparently once she she and I realized simultaneously that he's actually a really dangerous character because he was pretending to like her. Just like she was pretending to be like a kind master to him. He was pretending to be like a loyal knight to her. So it's like a weird dynamic because his percentage bar does increase the the fastest. But spoiler, he was also the first to betray her. And he was actually the one that brought Yvonne to her ceremony so he actually betrayed her and she ends up really hating him for doing that and not forgiving him for that so their relationship gets shattered at that point um but their relationship seems really rocky just from the beginning from reading it and and it feels like there's kind of like an underlying obsession that Eccles has from Penelope I've seen some hints of that um in while reading and it may be why Eccles brings Yvonne back Um, But we'll have to see more later about intentions. That's also kind of a theory. And last but certainly not least, actually probably least. Well, no, Eccles, actually I would put him at the bottom, like towards the bottom. Um, He, I don't even know because I really liked him in the beginning. I remember before I read all these spoilers and before I realized what Penelope had realized about his true personality because he does seem kind of two-faced. 
Yeah, man, Derek and Eccles are really suspicious. Reynolds and Vinter and Callista are definitely up there in the, the top. And now let's talk about Yvonne. And basically everything that I'll be talking about Yvonne will be a spoiler because I don't know anything about her. They have not talked about her at all. We've just seen her, we've just heard about her from descriptions, but we have not actually met her in the Manua. So basically all of this I have taken from spoilers on different sites. Um, but she is apparently the ruler of Lila or Layla. And I have no clue what that is. I have absolutely no clue what that is yet, though. So we probably will discover it at some point. But I have a feeling that it's not going to be any at any point soon. But she is apparently the ruler. And she and Penelope are so, 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 so different. So this is not a spoiler, but this is more of like personality comparison. They're very different. Like maybe I'd say even complete opposites because whenever Penelope is thinking of what to say in certain situations, um, she'll be she'll think back to her time playing the game and recall what Yvonne had said or would have said. And then she compares it to her own thoughts and feelings and what she wants to say right now as Penelope. And a lot of the time they would really differ. Like and Penelope wouldn't understand Yvonne's point of view. Like, Yvonne would be nice, or, well, no, it's not like Penelope wouldn't be nice, but Yvonne would kind of just, like, brush things off or be like, oh, it's okay. And Penelope would be like, but how is that okay? Like, it doesn't really make sense to me, you know? That's basically all we know of her, is that she's the technically the main protagonist of this game, whereas Penelope is the villainous, and so they differ in this way, and that Yvonne is going to appar- is apparently going to come back soon. And she's going to be introduced very soon. So I'm kind of interested to see how she's going to interact with the characters. How she's going to be kind of like a obstacle in Penelope's progression with the rest of the characters. Because Penelope is really worried that once Yvonne comes back, all of the characters will comp- will be completely infatuated with Yvonne. And will suddenly really, really hate Penelope as things should be. But of course she doesn't want that to happen because all of her hard work building up her reputation will be destroyed. So we'll have to see how that goes. For talking about Callisto, honestly, there is not too much more that I can say about him. I have talked about him a lot scattered throughout. But in the most recent scenes of the Manhua, they were in a really dire, tense chase. So there were assassins coming after Callisto and... Both Callisto and Penelope were trapped in this forest, in the rain, during a storm, during the hunting competition. So it's all of these things are happening. And Callisto is still trying to protect Penelope while he's the one being shot at. But um, what I really love about their dynamic is that Callisto doesn't underestimate Penelope and Penelope doesn't hate or rely too much on Callisto. Like neither of them are too attached and they both really complement each other well. And it's, like, awesome because Penelope and her crossbow actually eliminate a lot of the assassins. And so far, it's just, like, a super tense moment because um, at the very end, I think an assassin, like, stabs Callisto and then Callisto, like, grabs Penelope and they're falling off a cliff. And I don't know what's gonna happen next, but it's super suspenseful. And I heard that later on, we'll only get to see more amazing moments with them. But, yeah, Callisto is definitely, I'm warming up to him. He seems like a very interesting, humorous character that I feel like goes really well with Penelope's personality. So some recommendations that I have for you guys, if you really enjoyed Death is the Only Ending for the Villainous, um, would be Men of the Harem. And there's a badass female lead there too. Lots of comedic moments. I've honestly really, really enjoyed it. And I definitely will be talking about Um, men of the harem in this podcast and then also chitra there's like a similar game style you know death is the only ending for the villainous is a game style and chitra is also a game style she gets reincarnated and um there's a lot of quests that she has to go on and penelope has to go on certain quests as well so i'd say that they're similar in that case and it's also kind of like a reverse harem in chitra as well and men of the harem is a reverse harem so uh yes they're very very similar to death is the only ending for the villainous but um, I put death as the only ending for the villainous last time in last week, uh, last episode as a recommendation. And now you can see why. Because yes, it's I definitely find it super, super interesting. And it, this is one of the manhwas that I'm constantly checking to see if it has updated. And I'm following the Discord and just 
making sure that I can read it as it updates. Once again, I can't believe you made it to the end of this episode. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I appreciate it so much. Um, I'm sorry that this podcast episode has come out really late. It's come out a few weeks late. And I was not expecting this, but I have been so incredibly busy. Um, This week has been busy. Life has been busy. And hopefully my schedule can get straightened out again. And this won't be a regular occurrence. I just had to take a couple of these weeks off for personal reasons. But thank you so much um, for being understanding. Feel free to give me manhua and manga and anime recommendations on Instagram, which is at manhua underscore Main Street. And I'd love to hear them. It gives me a sense of what you'd like me to talk about on the podcast and just so that I can read what you guys are interested in. If you also want to just message me and let me know what you think of my podcast as well, I would really, really appreciate it. Your messages make my day. They make my week and it really keeps me going. My younger sister scolded me for not uploading every Wednesday instead of bi-weekly. What's funny is even though I love doing these podcast episodes, I procrastinate on them just as much as I procrastinate on everything else. But yes, someone has to do a lab report. So, you know, I cannot honestly do it every Wednesday. But hopefully I can get back into that routine of every other Wednesday. We had a little bit of hiccup for these past few weeks. Anyways, you guys, this concludes the end of the second episode for See You in My Next Life, and I'll hope to see you next episode. Bye!